Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Our Notre Dame football Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day. Here's your host, Evan Sharpley. Here we are once again, another college football weekend. This is the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, and, Sharpley, and we are live from the WSBT studios in Mishawaka. And it doesn't get much better than this. The Irish remain undefeated after a signature win, beating the Stanford Cardinal last week. Notre Dame now 5-0 is up to number 6 in the polls. But we'll face a huge test on the road against the Virginia Tech Hokies tonight at 821. Ian Book took over at quarterback for Notre Dame in week four. And that could spell bad news for the Hokies, who are ranked 123rd in pass defense. Book has averaged 300 yards per game since taking over. And while the Hokies are allowing, and the Hokies are allowing 300 yards per game in the air. So if Book plays well, which he has thus far, the Irish offense should be able to put up some points in this contest. Virginia Tech does have the fifth-ranked rush defense, but a lot of that could have to do with most teams are having success through the air, so they don't need to run the football. Notre Dame is averaging just over 200 yards per game on the ground and have provided stellar offensive balance, especially over the course of the last two games. Virginia Tech lost a, a number of key cogs from the team a year ago and have already suffered injuries to their quarterback as well as one of their best defensive players. Nevertheless, going on the road, playing in Blacksburg, Virginia, is always a tough test. I would expect a raucous environment, Ooh. some Metallica. Uh, one that Brian Kelly's team must navigate better than they have in the past. And there's a growing sense and feeling right now that Notre Dame could be one of the teams in the college football playoff this season. Of course, Notre Dame doesn't play for a conference championship, so it makes things sometimes hard to quantify. And Virginia Tech could be the last-ranked opponent currently right now on Notre Dame's schedule. So it's survive and advance from here on out. The lights will be a bit brighter, the stage bigger, and a huge bullseye on the back of the Irish. With wins over ranked teams in Michigan, Stanford, and potentially Virginia Tech, we could be talking about an undefeated season, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's see how things play out tonight in Blacksburg. I'm sitting here along with my producer, Tim Growl. Tim, how are you? Um, what do you got lined up for us today on the show? I tell you what, you know, I'm just, I just saw your, your, your buddy there, Brady Quinn, on the TV there, and he's got a plaid jacket. I think next time you're on Inside Football for oh, Notre you, Dame, plaid you just, jacket. You just wait for tonight. We're going we're gonna to be looking pretty sharp. Is that because it's you're going to be so tired and, <laughs> and what you're wearing? Well, I've already got. I think I'm on. Uh, I'm on cup four or five right now. Coffee, it's man. Gonna it's going to be a, gonna long, be a long, long night. Should be an interesting game. You know, Blacksburg out there, raucous environment. Brian Kelly's had them turning up the decibels. He's had music piped in, trying to prevent what happened in Miami last year and trying to get these guys uh, settled down. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, it's uh, those environments are a lot of fun. I mean, as a, as a player. You know, when you're going on the road, you like to play it. You like to play in those. I mean, it's almost, you know, it's it's in enemy territory. It's a business trip with you and your buddies. Um, I'm really interested to see how the first five minutes of the first quarter go. Um, if, if Notre Dame is able to survive the early fury to settle into the game, um, I really like their chances. It's one of those things. If you let the crowd get into it early, 
it's it's a snowball effect where you know momentum will continue to be on that on on their side. So and that's what happened in Miami last year. The first five minutes, you knew we were in trouble last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk later on. I'm going to ask you actually some of your more challenging environments. And actually, our first guest is one of your your buddies too, and he's been in some environments outside the ESPN ESPN uh, studios, which is a tough environment. We know that. But uh, why don't you introduce the first guest? Well, we got Mike Golick Jr. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me. Brother, appreciate you being on the show. Let's let's talk about uh, tough environments. What was the toughest environment you played in? Um, so I think consistently I always enjoyed the trip to Michigan State up in East Lansing, but uh, the, the most raucous college football environment that I think we ever had was uh, my last year in 2012 when we went down to play at Oklahoma mm-hmm. against one of those Bob Stoops Sooner teams that had lost something like five games at home, because that's the thing is some places certainly have the loud environment, but Oklahoma had that mystique of just being a place where they didn't lose all that often, and so you knew going down there and knocking them off had a bit more historical significance to it, and that made it even sweeter when we went down there and tattooed them. You sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, in, ter- in terms of preparation leading up to that game, w- was there anything different, um, you know, whether it was in practice, uh, you know, where you're talking about it in meetings that changed, knowing that that was the case going into an environment like that? No, I, th- I think it was just the stuff specific to that week. I mean, we had been fortunate at that point in the season already. We had had college game day out on campus for the Stanford game. College game day was going to be down at Oklahoma for that game. So we had experienced a couple of those atmospheres similar to that. You know, Michigan State was highly ranked when we went on the road and played them early in that season. And so you kind of build up that cachet of some of those moments. But as much as anything, I think when you start talking about teams that get to this point in the season and the ones that are really going to separate themselves and and put themselves in the college football playoff conversation, now it's got to be routine. Like You can't be getting up or down for certain games based on the opponent. That's early in the season when you've got freshmen still being freshmen and you're getting used to this year's team and maybe some changes in the coaching staff. Now you've all been around each other long enough to know this is what we need to do to get ready. This is what I know gets me in the best place mentally and physically to play, and that's just got to be your day-to-day approach. It was, you know, every day when we would come in, uh, our, our mentality, whether it was Harry Easton, our offensive line coach, or Chuck Martin, our offensive coordinator that year, was just get this much better every day, holding up, you know, about a square inch between their fingers. Let's just get that much better today, focus on the two or three things we have to do to make that happen, and, and that's really the only way I think you can survive the gauntlet of most college football seasons. We're talking with Mike Golick Jr. on the game day show. Show with Evan Sharpley on 96 1 FM 960 M WSBT. Mike, uh, a couple of new faces here on the offensive line, guys with some experience. And you talked about the type of preparation leading up to the week. Certainly, though, when you're going into a hostile environment like this where noise is going to be an issue, what is communication like between the quarterback and the offensive line? And what are some things that, that Notre Dame and Ian Book may have in their back pocket to try to eliminate that? Yeah, so you see different stuff that gets done with the snap count in certain times, whether it's, you know, trying to still make use of multiple cadences using some of the head nod stuff. A lot of people nowadays will let the guard be the one that gets the cadence delivered from the quarterbacks when you see the guard looking into the backfield and either tapping the center or flashing an arm there. Seen in the past, guys would hold hands. That's not really something Notre Dame's done a ton since it really, I mean, back when back when we were there early on, Sharp, early in my career and yours, 
I think when we played North Carolina, that was something that they did. But for the most part, it's just making sure that everything is simple and effective communication-wise up front. When it comes to the offensive line, you've got a couple of different calls. You've got usually one word that are supposed to tip everything off. For us, it was blood. Anytime we had some sort of look, uh, a blitz look, something that we had seen on tape, something where it looked unfamiliar, it was just blood, blood in the water, blood, blood, blood. So that way everyone gets their eyes in the same spot because that's the prime focus when you get there is have everyone's eyes seeing the same thing. And that's the offensive line, that's the quarterback, that's the running backs in protection. And so it's communicate everything simply, echo it, every man down the line. You know, it's not just the center making calls or the quarterback making calls. Everybody's got to be echoing it so that we're all on the same page. As far as how early in this game you expect Notre Dame to settle on, how, how important is, say, the first couple of drives to acclimate to the noise and, and perhaps um, take, take that advantage out of this game? Yeah, I, th- I heard you guys talking about it before, and the first drive always, was always, for me, just kind of that relaxation point of, all right, I need to go out there and just get one under my belt so the nerves calm down. But for me, it's when Notre Dame gets off the script. You know, we know that there are, uh, like a lot of teams will go out there and script the first handful of plays, and that's easy because you drill those all week. You have an idea of what to do. You plan for that. It's once you get off the plan and then things maybe go sideways, that first third down once you're off the script where the crowd noise starts to mount up a little bit, and maybe you miss out on that. It's not letting that moment where all of a sudden, okay, we're done planning for stuff. Now it's responding and reacting. How do they hold up in that situation is what I'm always most interested in. We're sitting down right now with Mike Golick Jr. talking about the 5-0 and Fighting Irish preparing for an 8-21 kickoff against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Mike, let's get just your overall impressions on this team so far. Five games in, kind of a wake-up call following Ball State. And almost a sleeping giant has awoke since then as far as the balance on offense uh, that we saw a huge win against Stanford. What's been the general feel? What have you liked, and what are you expecting tonight? Uh, so what I've liked is the use, finally, and I think the expanded use of our offensive skill. That was one of the things that we saw against Michigan early on was if you, man, if you give these big, talented receivers, the Boykins, the Claypools, a chance to go up and get it, they're as good as anyone at coming down and finding that ball, and for whatever reason, we just couldn't get that done in the first few games. Brandon didn't, uh, you know, wasn't able to connect with those guys. And now you're seeing Ian expand those weapons. And then you add getting Dexter Williams back after that suspension with fresh legs on top of that with a backfield that's developed behind them. There's extraordinary depth at the skill position for Notre Dame on offense. And then defensively, the front seven. I mean, Jerry Tillery has blown up on everyone's radar now after the numbers he put up in that Stanford performance. But it's realizing all that potential that we saw from the time he stepped on campus. You know, I remember seeing a young, very talented Jerry Tillery in practice. And, you know, maybe it was scheme differences, different coordinators, different styles that have been there in his time. But now finally seeming to put it all together. And between him and Tavon Coney, you've got two legitimate All-American candidates in Notre Dame's front seven that we knew the strength of this defense, the experience on this defense was going to be in the secondary, but we're seeing the marquee performances come up front in that front seven on the other side of the ball where it had been the O-line for us dominating for the last few years. Mike, you've you played against some pretty good defensive fronts in your time. How big of a game changer is it if you can create pressure with a front four? And let's pose this question, too. If you've got a one-on-one matchup with Jerry Tillery, what would, what would be your move there? What, how would you approach that right now? Uh, a lot of prayer. I'd be at the bottom <laughs> for that one. But, uh, no, a guy like Jerry, I'd want to get on him quick. You know, he's a big, long, athletic guy. 
And if you give him time and space, he's just physically more gifted than you, and he knows how to use those levers now. So I'm trying to get on him quick and take the air out of that block and that team. The problem is is that Notre Dame's defensive front isn't just going to give you stagnant four-man rushes. They're going to move guys around. They're going to run twisting games. And guys like Gary are just as adept there. You see him with the, the knowledge. And this is where being a veteran player comes in. It's not just running the twist the way it's drawn up on a card, but understanding, all right, I want to push the shoulder of the tackle here to clear my guy. I want to create leverage this way in that situation. And this group up front, they've got this experience now built up from the last few years with that group. You throw Drew Tranquil in there as well. And you've got a group that understands, I think, some of those finer details that when you're going to run a defense that wants to add those elements makes all the difference in the world. Mike, you're on a pretty dang good team in 2012. You've seen this team through five games. Any, any similarities between this team and the 2012 team? I think just poise, because I mean, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination we had all beautiful, clean wins. I mean, we're down three touchdowns to pit in the game that we could have lost in double or triple overtime, wherever it ended up being, on the road against an unranked SC team that we ended up beating by two, close games against Michigan. This team's found a way to win in some adverse situations where they haven't been playing their best ball on that given day. And now that they've been able to weather that early storm, I think seeing the moxie to go in a road environment like this and really establish it early and treat this game the way they treated the Stanford game. You know, I think rating-wise, the Stanford team was a little overinflated but Notre Dame went out and treated them like that. They acted like they were the better football team out there for all four quarters. They played like it. And if they continue to do that, I, I just you see a lot of that same poise. And, you know, moving between two quarterbacks was certainly something we were familiar with, everyone kind of understanding their role. And so if, if they can just stay healthy, you know, obviously bars up front and losing him for the time being is a, is a, a tough blow. That was one thing we did was stay healthy the entire year. But they've got great depth up there, too. They've built bad over the last few years. And, uh, you know, Trevor or, or uh, uh, whoever else they put in their lug, could both potentially be good players up there. So it's, it's been exciting, man. It's nice to see the energy build back around campus. How did, how did you guys in the locker room, in the huddle, handle you know the this, this switch between two, two different guys playing? How difficult was that? Uh, I, I don't think it was difficult because after a while, we both had an understanding. Like Both guys had everyone's trust. Yeah, I was always amazed. Everett Golson, who was a, a redshirt freshman, had such poise on the sideline. Nothing ever seemed too big for Everett. And so that was endearing to us as older players, as guys that had been around. And then obviously Tommy was a known commodity at that point. Tommy was going to have us in the right position. Tommy had that deep ingrained trust that had come with being involved in big-time moments of his own and playing a lot of ball. So it, it was easier because both guys had that trust and because we understood exactly what they brought to the table. Everett was going to buy time and make plays. Sometimes it was going to work out. Sometimes it was going to end up with a loss. But more often than not, he was going to bail you out. And Tommy was going to be sure, steady, and, and right where he was supposed to be all the time. And just being able to make those quick mental adjustments with guys that you knew so well and had both seen practice and play in that starting role made all the difference in the world. You're listening to WSBT's Game Day as we prepare you for the Northern Virginia Tech game. We're talking with ESPN's Mike Golick Jr. Let me get a little technical. What weight did you play at, Mike, when, in 2012? 2012, I hung out right around 295. And that was, you know, going into the season. I had, you know, dipped during the season. I always struggled to keep it on, but I was about 295 pounds that year. So we're referring to Alex Bars being out. The two replacements, one's going to start is Trevor Rulin. He's a little lighter at 6'4", 295, and then Aaron Brooks at 6'6", 319. 
And Trevor Lurulin, I just heard that he's had pec problems, so he doesn't have a lot of upper body strength. So when you're playing alongside somebody, do you know those abilities when two guys come in there that one's lighter or maybe one doesn't have the technique with the upper body strength and one's better at pulling? Do you guys know that well about each side-by-side person you're going to be with? Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, offensive line, in my mind, has always sort of been the art of knowing where you're giving and receiving help. And, and every guy, depending on how long you work with him, has a better understanding of, all right, how much help do I need to give my buddy in this area? How far is he going to lead his hat? And, and you're right, what might the deficiencies be? And so you're lucky to have a veteran center in Sam Mustafer who can, in that situation, in, a, in an offense you know, that uh, allows him to, can go out there and look and say, all right, if I think I need to give more help over here, I can trust what I've got on the other side. I can trust the guys that are playing next to me on that right side that have been there all year and maybe leave a little earlier to give some help. And maybe protection goes that way a little more quickly just to try and cover up for some things that you might know are coming. So, And those things come, and it's good because we've seen Trevor in there already getting some meaningful snaps this season and being a guy that's played some time with them. So you start to get that in-game understanding that, you can rep and practice all you want, but until you get some of those live bullets and see how everyone responds there, you never really know for sure. Mike, you mentioned your your playing weight. Um, I'm interested to know now, especially after having seen guys like Dan Santucci, Trevor Robinson, Braxton Cave, and Ryan Harris, who all look about half their normal playing weight, what are you weighing in right now? I'm checking in at about 255 right now, and it's exactly that. It's the rest of my peer group sort of challenging <laughs> on the way. When you go back and see Trevor Robinson, who you know played four, five, you know played like five years in the NFL, was I think at most 310 pounds in his career. Who now is at his best was 235 pounds with a full six pack. And he's the father of two twins. It really makes me look in the mirror and say, "You don't have any excuses, man. We need to lock this in." <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, hey, before we, we let you leave, let's talk about the game tonight. If you're Brian Kelly, you're in that locker room, what are your three keys to a victory tonight? And if you'd like to give us, we'd love to hear a score prediction, too. Three keys, I, I mean, uh, I would say weather the early storm. You know, Virginia Tech, we know the brand of football that they play. It's predicated on defense special teams. So be ready for exotics in that phase of the game. Make sure you're locked in and dialed in with all that stuff. Embrace the atmosphere would be the second part of it. Like I heard you say, Evan, these environments are fun. Like If you go out there and appreciate the moment as the opportunity to be involved in such a great stage in college football, you're going to be better off than trying to just pretend that everything's all right, that everything's normal. No, this is special. Act like it. And for me, it's just don't give them, don't give them anything. No turnovers, nothing easy like that. You want to go out there and play a clean brand of football when you're trying to go on a road in an environment where at momentum, I go back and forth on how much I buy into it. But one thing you don't know can happen is the minute you give a crowd like that that's itching in a loud night environment any inch, they're going to take it and try and give that team juice. So let's keep the sheet clean, not too many penalties, and definitely don't turn the ball over. So let me ask you, Mike, about embracing the atmosphere. The ESPN tailgate contest next Saturday, the pit game. Are you guys all ready to embrace the atmosphere? And tell us about that contest. Yeah, no, so this one was pretty cool. We're going out uh, uh, next week to do a show in Chicago as part of our fall football tour, but we decided to try and, you know, turn that into a little bit of home cooking for ourselves. And so uh, we uh, ended up having a contest. We picked five winners a couple of weeks ago, and they each get to bring a guest. So we'll have ten winners overall coming with us, and we'll bring the Golic and Wingo bus. It's got our faces plastered all over. It's going to be very hard to miss. 
coming down, nice prime spot in the tailgate lot, and we're putting those winners up at the hotel right by campus there across the street by Eddie Street. They're going to be staying there. They're going to be hanging out and seeing the sights and sounds. We'll tailgate with them Saturday before the game, and then they get to go in and watch Notre Dame take on Pitt and what will hopefully be a game that will continue to have us undefeated and continue what's been great momentum for this season. So a really cool opportunity. Great that ESPN was able to put it together. Our team did a great job with that. and you know We're just excited to get back on campus. As far as I'm concerned, we stole another home game this season, so I'm looking forward to being back. Mike, if you want to add one more stop to that, feel free to stop over at Ivy Corden and Sweets for our show. We've got barbecue. We can hang out. I'll give you a hug, even too. Oh, see that? You got, you, you got to check. You got to check his. You got to check his weight out. He already asked you about yours. You got to check his out before and after he eats all the all the ribs there. <laughs> Perfect. You know what? I'll take some of the weight off you for that one, Sharp. All right. I'll, I'll do my part and pitch in. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate. It. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. This is WSBT's Game Day, live from the WSBT studios. Kickoff tonight is at 821 on ABC, or listen to the game right here on 96.1. We'll be right back with Dr. Brian Radigan from Blacksburg on your Michiana sports leader, WSBT. May I have your attention, please? This is Tim McCarthy for the Indiana State Police. You are listening to WSBT, your radio home for Notre Dame football. The Game Day Show is brought to you by Budweiser. Great times are waiting. Grab some buds. Carmelo's at McCree's, your post-game dining destination, and McCree's Italian Bakery for all your tailgating needs. Eddie Street Commons in Notre Dame. Come dine, shop, and enjoy the merchants at Eddie Street Commons. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Golfstreamcoach.com. And the Hearing Aid Service. You know, you played with uh, Mike, didn't you? I did. And that's probably the first time I didn't ask somebody to tell a story about Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we heard him in the past and stuff, too. Our next guest didn't play with you, but I, he's probably heard stories about he's you. He's probably heard stories. That's probably <laughs> you're true. A, you're a legend in your own mind. All right. <laughs> Campus legend. <laughs> Campus legend. Our next guest is former Notre Dame uh, Golden Domer, Indianapolis Colt, head phys, uh, orthopedic physician for the Notre Dame football team and a good friend of our show, our insider with the team in Blacksburg, Dr. Brian Radigan. Brian, how you doing? Good, Tim. How you doing, Evan? Great. Good to talk to you. Pa- paint us a picture. How are things looking there in Blacksburg? That's good. They hate us. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. It's perfect. They absolutely <laughs> hate us down there. A little hostile, which is great. It's going to be fun. Well, hey, bef- before, before, before we get to uh, this game tonight, um, how are things going uh, with Connor, the St. Joe Indians? I know we're kind of in the middle here towards the end of the season. <laughs> Playoffs are right around the corner. I think they've had a couple of tough weeks, close losses. Uh, but, yeah. but, but overall, I think, uh, I think this team could make a run in the playoffs. I think they will. They're, they're good. They've had three tough losses, Penn, Mishawaka, Colfer, all one-score games. They could easily win those, and I think we will in the playoffs. They look good. I mean, there's just a couple things. You got your one of your quarterback apprentices that are, if you can get a hold of him, just tell him to throw it to Connor every time. <laughs> that's, that's the secret, right? Hold now. on. I'll, I'll send over a message there right now. <laughs> right, perfect. That'd be great. No, they're doing well. It's fun. It's been a fun year. You know how it is when you have a Friday Night Lights, that's the best anyway of any football level in my mind. And then to have a son playing, it's great. It's been a lot of fun. 
Well, t- yeah, talk to us about this week then uh, concerning the Irish. A big victory last week against Stanford. Probably the most complete win um, this year, potentially over the last couple of years too. A really good balance on offense. Uh, defensive line getting after it up front. Jerry Tillery with four sacks. Now you move to uh, an away game uh, in Blacksburg. What's been the general feel uh, this whole week in preparation for this 821 kickoff tonight? Yeah, I, I think they just uh, have a lot of respect for Virginia Tech. Like they, they were fully ready for Stanford to be a, a bit of a, a knockdown, drag out battle. Uh, this one, I think they're maybe even expecting even more. Uh, down here, it's going to be hostile, which, as you remember, Evan, sometimes it's even better to play on the road. Now, that's not a knock against our Notre Dame fans. It's just there aren't any distractions. Uh, you're totally focused. And I, and I think the guys are ready. They really seem focused for this one. They're excited to play a, a fast team, a little different dynamic than Stanford. That's going to – you get a team like Stanford that huddles every time, right? The defensive guys love that. to get an extra breather. You play other teams with a big D line against our offense – it's fun. It's fun to play a different team, and they're good. They're explosive. Just to kind of reiterate, too, I mean, I'm with you. I loved uh, going into hostile environments. Uh, Alex Bregman, uh, Houston Astros, he talked the other day about pressure is a privilege. Um, and and ah, Brian Kelly, and I really love that mental approach um, yeah. and, 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 you know, understanding and appreciating how big these moments are. What, what, what was maybe the most hostile environment business trip that you went on um, while you played? There is a couple. Miami, for sure, in the old Orange Bowl was great. As we're pulling in on the bus, bottles of beer are shattering off our bus, <laughs> which which was perfect because we're kind of looking for our helmets on the bus. But then when we're on the sideline at Tennessee during the game, bottles of Jack Daniels are smashing on the track wow. just with, within a couple feet of us. <clears throat> and the, guys, the cops running back and forth are just telling us, keep your helmets on. You don't want to get hit by one of those. It was perfect. We loved it. My, my, my take on that is a waste of some good whiskey. It's a good beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were, they were empty bottles. <laughs> they were empty bottles. <laughs> so they were already ready to go is what you're saying. <laughs> what's, uh, what's been the overall message this week from the coaching staff? Um, you know, there's there's been a little bit, I think, at least from the outside looking in, made from the Miami game last week and whether or not those comparisons are fair. You know, certainly uh, a hostile environment like Miami was last week or last year um, going into Blacksburg um, with the hoopla of Metallica and how the game starts. Um, what's, been, what's been the general the general message from the entire coaching staff on, and preparation has been such a key factor. You look back to Ball State where um, it, was, it was stated following that game that the preparation wasn't up to par. And really since then, it's been a complete 180 as far as how things have been executed on Saturdays, and a big part of that has been preparation. You know, it's true. After Ball State, they, they spent a lot of time breaking down all the film of practice. They didn't go over the game film. They went over the practice film from the week before and just showed everybody how pathetic it was. Right? I mean, they, on all ends. Like, they were all taking blame. And then they, they looked at it again after the next week. They looked at the practice film, and it was much better. And so now the guys, are, they're buying into, like, okay, we really do have to do it every day. And this week was no different. Same thing. I, I didn't hear Miami mentioned once. Okay, nobody wants to talk about that game ever again. So I, I didn't hear that mentioned any time. I think it's uh, you and I that might talk about it, but inside the walls, I don't hear it a whole lot, at least not with the guys. They just want to focus on who they're playing. And, and mentioning Miami doesn't do us any good because that, that we're preparing differently this week than we did against Miami.
We're sitting down talking with Brian Radigan right now. He's live from Blacksburg, Virginia. This is the game day show with Evan Sharpley on 961 FM, 960 M WSBT. Brian, we, we talked with Mike Golick a little bit earlier in the show, um, just on his general feel for this team. Um, you know, we, we talked about the offense, some new faces on the offensive line. But first, I'd like to get your your thoughts on on this defense. Um, last week, you know, an ability to create pressure with the front four. What have you liked from this unit up to this point, and what bodes well? moving forward well first of all i'm surprised at any time for me to get on here if you had mike on <laughs> <laughs> guys a gift for gab hey uh no defensively i, I love it because you just don't know what you're going to get jerry has got that unique wiry ability to get in there that was a lot of fun for him to get through but as a unit they're rolling in a lot of people and you guys speed guys you have some power guys They've been nursing through a couple injuries throughout the year, and I know everybody's getting a little banged up at this time of year, but our guys are just pushing through it. I mean, that's what I love. At the injury side, they're ignoring the little tweaks of the ankle here and there just because they really want to be out there when you're winning. The defensive line, in my opinion, it's always the line that matters the most, even though I'm a linebacker. If you had a good offensive defensive line, you can play with anybody because the rest of the guys will show up too. Our defensive line has been really, really good this year. It's, it's fun. And, of course, our getting Drew out there at linebacker to go to Tavon, that's obviously been pretty great because you got to be able to play the pass a little bit as a linebacker. And clearly Drew knows how to do that amazingly well with his history. So that was your take on defense. So now you're playing Notre Dame in the NFL. How about your take on what the shot in the arm Ian Book has produced? Seems like he almost charged up the whole team, not even just the offense or defense. But so let's concentrate on offense. What do you see on the offensive side with him in the game now? It wasn't it fun last week to just run the clock out? It was. Wasn't that crazy? It's, it's been a while, right? So he's just kind of knew we were going to run the clock out, whether run, pass. Uh, he's been fun. It's been, it's been great. It seems like they can run the entire offense with Ian in a way that maybe Brandon didn't quite have it. Brandon has his own unique great traits as well. We know we love them both. And, and they've been amazing. And by the way, Brandon's been the ultimate pro on the sideline. So as I'm sitting around watching, I, I always try to pick the brains, hey, what's the call, what's the play? And in years past, and not too too long uh, ago, we had the quarterback get benched and just basically disengaged himself from from the whole game experience. And he was one play away. And it was kind of tough. I'm not going to mention names, but it was kind of tough to see it because he didn't even know what the call was and wasn't watching. Brandon is fully engaged. He's watching every play. He knows everything. He's actually telling me what I'm supposed to look for if I'm Ian Book. Safety checks down. Linebacker does this. This is where he's going to go. And I think that's, that says a lot for Brandon to be ready. Right? This is a tough pill to swallow. 13-3 and three as a starter, and you're, you're benched. Right? That's, that's a pretty gutsy move. But Ian has uh, proven himself. I mean, that's, the, that's why we went out of practice every day, and you're watching the players play. Coaches got to make a tough decision sometimes. I'm sure that wasn't an easy one, but clearly it looks like the right one. Yeah, I'm not, I've, I've never been a big fan of the two quarterback system, but you know what? What you stated is kind of what I think most people thought was there's been there's been good buy in, there's been communication by the coaches. Um, you know, that's that's the biggest element is if you want it to work, you got to have two guys that believe in it. Uh, you know, Brand, Brandon is you know he's he's all in as far as the team is concerned, and you know sometimes a guy gets hot, and, and Ian's been able to do that the past couple of weeks. I think if you turn on any film um, of Memphis when Chip. Long was there from a couple of years ago, and you watch what Ian's been doing running the offense. 
that's what it's been. Um, so certainly to be able to pro- provide that spark um, it has has been fantastic. And, and, you know, now getting kind of into the midway portion of the season, you mentioned, um, you know, some guys getting dinged up. Are there any big red flags right now as far as injuries concerned? We have a couple of guys I know um, that won't be playing. But other than that, um, are there any red flags that we should be aware of that you publicly can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, obviously Alex is a big loss, Bars. That's the one we know he's not coming in um, anymore. That was a, a big hit, but the guys that are replacing him, you know, they're all a little bit banged up as well, right? So they're already a little sore along the line. The defensive guys, you know, Khalid's been working those ankles all year, and uh, we just kind of every time he goes down, we hope that he's going to get right back up again. And he's doing fine so far, hanging in there, but he doesn't want to quit playing. So it's just more of those little bumps and bruises like that. But we've lost. You know, we're anxious to get Jafar back, Armstrong. We need to kind of get some depth back to the running backs because we just feel like we're a little thin right there, obviously. Obviously, Williams did great last week. It was nice to have him. Timing couldn't have been any better. But as far as big red flags, guys to look at, not really. We're, we're doing okay. It's all little things. They can all play through everything they have right now. Just a big loss with Sean Crawford and Alex Bars being out. Brian, we talked uh, initially when the new strength staff came in, um, you know, kind of revamping what that looked like, uh, the relationship with with you and your staff too. How has that transition been now uh, a couple of years in, and what have maybe been the biggest changes as far as performance-based on the field? It's hard to say, actually. They're doing great. They're all in in the weight room. I think the whole package of nutrition has been a big factor. We have unbelievable nutritionists that are I mean they're showing up in the hospital after a surgery to take care of these guys right and that's a huge factor that a lot of people are I'm personally I'm starting to buy in even more just what I see and how the performance has changed by what they put into their body the strength coaches are amazing everything they do I mean it's four guys now when you played Evan it was one maybe two it takes four guys and they could probably use four more Right, there's so much that they're doing for these guys all the time that I, I just don't know how they do it with just four right now. They got a lot of stuff that's not just computerized, but just watching every little person work out and, and helping them with eyes on them, not just looking at a computer screen anymore. So it's it's pretty exciting. They're they're all over them, and the guys they work their butts off all year long. You got to keep doing it. Tim Growl and Evan Sharpley on WSBT's Game Day visiting with uh, Dr. Brian Radigan with the team down in Blacksburg. So you got an open week or bye week coming up after Pittsburgh and stuff. Any different plans that you have going on for that week other than you got to deal with any immediate uh, injuries that happen from the pit game? Or do you routine somewhat differently, obviously? For, for me personally, what do I do? Yeah, during, yeah during the, for the team, right, during the bye week. So... We, get it, we try to nurse everybody back as much as we can. Coach Kelly's pretty great about letting them have a break. Like get, get them home if they want for a couple of days, do whatever they can to kind of get their mind free. And physically, they take, he lets them off for a pretty extended weekend to let their body heal, which is great. So for us, they come in recharged. For me personally, there's, there's not much different. Hopefully nobody needs me during that bye weekend. That's a bad sign. That's kind of like, ins- like an insurance guy. It's a good thing if they don't come in. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. We don't want to be busy during the bye week. I got all. it. Ex- except you might have to do surgery on Tim, correct? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I can't talk about that. We won't get into that. We won't get into that. How about a... Uh, he can bring that up, not me. How about a uh, prediction for the uh, game tonight's score, and what do you think's gonna uh, outcome's going to be tonight? 
Uh, well, we're obviously going to win. Um, oh, boy. I think we're going to be able to still score. I think we'll be up in the 30s, maybe 34, 37. And on their end, probably around, I'll give them 21. 21, just because they're at home. But I think we're going to beat them by a, a couple scores. I feel good about it. I, I like that. Right. I like that. It's kind of generous. He's being nice to them. 21, because <laughs> you're saying everybody's so hateful down there. So being 21, you're being very professional and kind to them. Yeah, oh, they are. They hate us. It's it's really fun. I mean, the fans, they won't even look at you. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that does have, to, it does have to be fun. I, I love it. It's much more fun. <laughs> you guys will love it down here. You got to get down here. It's my first time here seeing this. So anxious to see the Enter Sandman. Uh, Clemson was pretty great when they all came out. So I'm looking forward just to the tradition of college football. You can't miss that, right? It's, you got to like it. Even if you hate the program, you got to like the tradition. Any issues with the weather? No. Nah. No, it's cloudy. It's nice. It's 80 degrees. I think I'll be okay. Thanks for worrying about me, though. <laughs> you just might need a cup of coffee to stay awake, huh? Yeah, I'll be good. I'll be good. I got down here plenty of times. I told Evan you, when I texted you before the show to make sure you were going to be on, which I knew you were, but that you put your suit on. So when Evan's here in shorts and everything, so I told him he had to leave the Je- building. Jean shorts, to be uh, <laughs> I, to be, I actually all, put to a, be honest here. <laughs> jeans are cut up shorts tonight. <laughs> That's perfect. You and Daisy do. Now, I put a tux on for you guys. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. Super classy. Well, hey, Brian, thanks so much uh, for taking some time. Enjoy the game tonight and uh, go Irish. All right, Evan, Tim, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks a lot. On your home for Notre Dame football, 96.1 WSBT, this is game day. We'll be right back. This is former tight end Robin Weber. My job was to catch footballs. Yours is to catch every Notre Dame game right here on your home for fighting Irish football, WSBT. The game day show is brought to you by Hearth and Home, Kurt Outdoor Living, Leck Lightner Door, and Made by Hemp in Elkhart. So, both interesting guests and stuff. So, let's pick your brain for a few minutes here and stuff, too. How about a highlight player on offense that maybe hasn't risen up to the occasion that we've all noticed them in the first five games that you might see turn something on tonight? I don't, I don't think there is that player. I mean, okay. I, I, think, uh, I think Ian Book's going to be the guy, though. He's got to be the guy. Um, if he plays at the level he has the last two weeks, if he completes 70% of his passes, highly efficient, controls the football, gets it out on time, um, he's going to be he's going to make this offense continue to go. Dexter Williams, you know, he, his his entrance last week, career high in carries at 21, his previous career high was only 8. Right. Um, he's going to have to carry a load with Jafar Armstrong out um, and Tony Jones Jr. Little uh, with, gimpy. With an, an ankle mm-hmm. injury or ankle sprain uh, from a week ago. But to be honest with you, outside of those guys, I mean, I'm really going to be watching this offensive line with some new faces and seeing how that goes in this type of environment. That That's going to be that's going to be important early on is managing that, make sure they're communicating. Um, but, but again, I mean, it's the spotlight's always on the quarterback. Um, if he's able to to help create that balance that we saw against Stanford last week, uh, passing it through the air efficiently, and then also, you know, what he did with his legs, he's, he's able to extend some plays and, and get out of some bad looks. He's very decisive, isn't he? Once he makes his mind up, he's... He- it's a dart that he throws yeah, in there. And, and, and that's been, with this offense, I mean, this offense is all based on uh, timing, rhythm, and then precision with the football. So, you know, these bubble screens or wide receiver look passes, it's all about placement. If you can get it on the front shoulder, you can get out of quick. Um, it helps so much. And then, uh, you know, it's if he if he's off his first or second read, then he's, he's moving and he's creating some space to 
make sure that the play is not a negative one. So that's that's been, in my mind, um, the biggest step forward is just it, it looks like there's a sense of urgency behind what he's doing and he's making very quick decisions. So offensively, he, he's the guy for me. Um, I, I think defensively right now, um, I mean, <laughs> we, have, we have quite a few guys to pick from. Sure I don't do. know if there's going to be a new guy that's going to emerge. Uh, we kind of know the players. There's a really good uh, depth <clears throat> right now at the defensive line. A lot of guys playing some different snaps. You know, Jerry Tillery, I think, would be an oh, easy pick. Right. Uh, but I think a couple other guys, you know, kind of waiting to dial in or cash in on some sacks. A guy like Dalen Hayes or really Julian Aquara. There's four guys right now with double-digit pressure. So we're not even talking about sacks. We're just talking about pressures. Um, those types of, if you're able to move the quarterback in the pocket, man, does it help. Um, Julian Love's another player to watch. Aloe Gilman, I like him at safety. Tavon Coney's a tackle machine. I mean, there are some guys playing some pretty good football right now on both sides. So I don't know if there's if there's a, a player that I we haven't really seen a lot from that may emerge. Uh, possibly uh, maybe a, a younger player, maybe a Michael Young, something like that, who could break out for a big game. But right. I mean, we kind of know the rotation at this point, and it's it's some it's the usual suspects, I'd say. And we talked beginning of the season that this team has the most depth we've seen in a long time. So I think that goes along with what you were just saying. Let me go back to quarterback real quick. Ian had a little trouble with rush three, drop eight in Wake Forest, but he seemed like he adapted real quick and he had no problem with that against Stanford. This defensive coordinator has been with the Virginia Tech for a long time. What do you think that you're going to see that he's going to throw at? More blitzing? Try to get him off, try to take advantage of maybe some inexperience on the offensive line. What do you think they're going to do differently that the other teams have? I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush three drop eight against this guy anymore. I mean, he's getting the ball out. He's getting it out on time. Uh, if you're going to win at the point of attack, it's going to be creating some chaos at the line of scrimmage, forcing this offensive line to make some calls, make some adjustments, uh, and then also try to rattle the quarterback position. A good quarterback is is good when there's no pressure. <laughs> right. I think I might be able to still go complete a pass <laughs> if there's no rush. Uh, so, you know, at this point, I think the name of the game uh, with a guy with a hot hand like Book has had um, is trying to get him out of his rhythm, is trying to, you know, push him out of the pocket earlier than he wants to, but really collapsing the pocket so he can't make plays with his feet and is forced to Stay make some there. pressure throws. Right. Uh, so whether that's done by blitzes, usually you try to get that accomplished by a four-man rush, uh, and, and that's what Notre Dame was able to do last week against Stanford, and you saw how K.J. Costello handled that. I mean, it's right. you're a very average to below-average quarterback if a team can get a four-man rush because now you You've got you've got seven guys playing coverage. It's hard to find the open spot that quick if four guys are getting to you. So I would assume that you know that may be how Virginia Tech plays it early. But if they can't get pressure through a four or five man rush, you're going to see some more pressures and some exotics because it may be some looks that Ian Book hasn't seen yet. That's Evan Sharpley. I'm Tim Growl. We're going to be back with Evan's keys to the game right after this break on WSBT's Game Day on 96.1 WSBT. <laughs> Game Day Show is brought to you by United Beverage, Wings, Etc., Grill and Pub, Zolman's Tire and Auto, and State Farm Agent Tim Growl. For all your insurance needs, call Tim at 232-9981. Speaking of Tim, what's up, Tim? What's up, Evan? <laughs> we're bringing da- the show to a close. Daisy Dukes. That's what Brian <laughs> thought you were wearing. <laughs> Dr. Radigan, picturing you and Daisy Dukes. Anyway, so we got uh, Dr. Radigan's uh, take on the game, their keys. We got Mike Golick Jr.'s keys to the game. So, partner, how about it's yours? It's my turn, huh? You got it. Time to take it away. All right, well, 
to reiterate what you know what what both Brian and, and Mike talked about is, and I, I think I brought up early in the show too, is is managing the environment early. You know, talking about the first quarter, really the first five to six minutes of the game. Uh, you know, making sure that you're prepared. You already know what that moment is. The quote I used earlier was pressure is a privilege. This is a cool, this is going to be a cool environment. One of my favorite games of playing, granted we lost, was in Penn State, but you love going into an opponent's uh, stadium, into that hostile environment with your teammates that you've worked hard with to prepare for the game. So embracing that pressure, using that pressure to play well, you know, there's going to be a little, uh, you know, a certain level of nerves, but that means that you care. So it's going to be important on how they, they come out early in the first quarter. Don't let the crowd you know, start to be a factor, manage momentum, um, especially uh, at the beginning of the game. And for me, it's going to come down, stopping the run on defense, uh, you know, make Virginia Tech a one-dimensional team, very similar to what they were able to do against Stanford last week, uh, possibly creating some turnovers. And then offensively, you know, searching for that balance that we've seen from Ian Book and, and this offense since he's taken over, um, you know, over 70% completion again. Uh, being able to protect him, I think, is going to be important. But from the quarterback position, it's going to be protecting the football. You know, no time turnovers you know don't put your defense in a poor spot a poor position here on the road so ball protection from me uh stopping the run and then managing the environment but i'm going to take the irish in this um i think it's going to be a good game i'm looking for a 30 to 20 victory 30 to 20 i'm marking it down i'll text you later evan and i want to thank our guests mike goig jr and dr brian radigan for taking time out of their busy football saturday to join us and a big thank you here in the studio to matt Embry for keeping this going don't go anywhere as the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech coverage continues. Right after the news, it's Darren, Sean, and Eric with everything you need to know about today's matchup on Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat. Immediately following them, it's the Notre Dame tailgate and pregame show. Then it's kickoff just after 8.20 p.m. with the broadcast team of Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan. And don't forget, after the game, join Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks for the official postgame show. Please join us again next week at 10 a.m. as we return to the porch of the Ivy Court Inn and Suites. Make plans to stop by for our great guests, food and fun in preparation for the Irish versus Pitt, or listen right here on your home for fighting Irish football, 96-1 WSBT. For Evan Sharpley, this is Tim Growl. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 